Hello everyone and welcome to those that are listening to our live stream uh, to uh, Fireside Chat number 39. So as usual, we pick a topic and we start discussing like we used to do when we were together and having a drink. Um, but before I introduce our topic, uh, the usual, if you like, um, you know, hit like that lets us know as well, keeps us motivated. And, and please uh, join the live session. It actually really helps with the discussion. It, it makes it much richer and much, much more nuanced when you add your comments and your thoughts to it. And it helps us explore many other avenues we may not have done. So please join us when, whenever you can. And also subscribe and, and um, you know, whenever there's a new talk, uh, new uh, fireside chat, then, then you'll be notified so then you can listen. And we have it not only on, on YouTube, but we also have a podcast related to that as well. So, so you know, you can listen to it while you, you're doing your uh, washing up, right? So without further ado, uh, today's topic is, is around the, all these different roles that we find in the, in the software development team, right? I know at, at some point I had the thought that, you know, we don't need so many roles, just get a bunch of software developers together and we'll create great software all the way to the, you know, like umpteen different roles and some of them I don't can't even remember. So are these roles necessary? Well, and and are they, are they good? Are they effective? Um, how many of them are good? How many of them are not so good? All that is up for debate today. But before we go into that, what are these different roles? Let's enumerate a few of them and uh, just to kind of jog our memory on, on the roles that we are talking about in a software development team. So who wants to go first? Jose, you go first. You can be very creative with all the different roles that you have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no, I mean, um, let's... Uh, let's group them a little bit, right? Like uh, for me, you kind of have specialists. Uh, like you would have on, on the technical side, right? Like you would have a DBA or you know a data engineer or um, you know machine learning expert that that kind of stuff. No, you have software developers. Yeah, you know senior, junior, <laughs> uh, any flavor you want there. No. Then you have stuff on the process side, like agile coaches, uh, engineering manager, if you will, no, uh, that kind of stuff. You have a scrum master as well, uh, is, is another one that is very popular as well. On the product side, you have product owner, product manager, uh, product, product. <laughs> I don't know, you know, like these, you have all sorts of uh, things in there. Um, yeah, so quality, you know, QA, uh, tester, um, yeah, all, all sorts of stuff. You have um, on the platform side, again, you have uh, SREs, you have operation, support. Uh, I don't know, the list goes on. Of course, we, we have the architect. Uh, we, we, we've already dedicated <laughs> an, an entire episode. You have the team lead, which also got, a, <laughs> which also got an episode. Uh, on you may even have a tech authority. 
Tech authority. I've never heard tech that that uh, term. Uh, you get to, to large organizations that have a lot of authorities in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but probably manager that kind of stuff, right? Like you, you have really a bunch of any. And if you start doing cross-functional teams, like um, uh, like involving marketing, etc., right? Like you may have you know growth hackers, or you may have. You know that that kind of so no SEOs or uh, you know you have UX etc cetera, etc cetera, right so it's it's really very varied in the you know, naming no because uh, this is another thing what what you're calling one thing in one organization may not be the same in another organization especially for the more you know generic roles right like the the ones that are not you know, software developer oh, I build software you know what does an engineering manager do in this company that may vary a lot, no, depending on on what company it is. So, 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 yeah. So we have all those different roles, yeah. So that that and and I I've seen a lot of developers saying like, why do we need all those roles? Or is very common uh, in projects, as you said, Mesh, a bunch of devs say, hey, like, why don't we just get the user in front of us and we build the whole thing ourselves and stuff, and it did. And I, then I, it I, sucks. Actually, Mama Sufiana just pointed out that, you know, he's talking about a software project that was built for health project by, for doctors by engineers, and they were sitting in the same room and they got it done really well. Um, we'll have to verify that case study. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. yes, it worked. But they were not building it on their own. <laughs> yeah, they they have someone there to to try it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah. but the, the the sentiment, of course, that we just need to be careful, like to take like uh, a few examples and, and transform them into rules, right? So, oh, sorry, a few, uh, yeah, Trans uh, exceptions and 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 make it as a rule. So the on one hand, I understand the sentiment as developers say, look, we don't want all those people doing stuff and, and, and just making things more complicated and putting a lot of process because the more roles you have, the more alignment you need and, and stuff. But then there is another side. I want to tackle this uh, this point first, the, the developer's perspective. While it's true that a lot of developers will think like we don't need all those roles, we can do that everything ourselves. I've seen many, many times developers complaining I don't want to do business analysis. This is not a developer's job. I want to write code. I'm unhappy in this project because I don't write a lot of code. Because I'm doing analysis, I'm, I'm working on the backlog, I'm discussing with the business, I'm trying to organize the, the backlog, I need to provide reports, I need to think about the costs, I need to, and, and I just want to write code. And this is a problem. Because like while the core skills of a developer is to write code, that's what gives them pleasure to do the work. A lot of the, the work in a project, there is a lot of work in a project that is not writing code. And this work needs to be done by someone, right? And then we can discuss, should the same person wear multiple hats or should we have one person per hat so, because that is also a, a, a thing that needs to be discussed. If you don't want all those roles, like, oh, are we talking about people doing roles? So, for example, every time we say uh, a product owner, 
are we talking about a person or you're talking about a role that is sometimes shared by a few people in the team? But regardless of how we see that, the work needs to be done. Someone needs to put a backlog together. Someone needs to manage stakeholders. Someone needs to define priorities. Someone needs to provide uh, the, the, the progress uh, of the team. Someone needs to organize the team themselves. Someone needs to manage the, the expectations because some people are unhappy. They woke up and say, hey, now I'm unhappy. I was happy yesterday. I'm unhappy today because God knows what. Someone needs to deal with that. Someone resigns. Someone needs to recruit someone else. Now we are missing a skill in the team. All of that needs to be done in a software project. We need to deploy. We need to monitor in production. We need to make sure there's no bugs. How do we deal with that? Right. We we need to envision the product and and test it with users and you know all do all of these things that talking to users what what is that? You know you know you know the the funny thing is uh, there there is a context to 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 all this as well. There is the actual things that are core that need to happen, and there are other things that happen because of the complexity of the organization. You know you got the accidental complexity in the organization as well. Uh, and you know you you have what you have. Your context is your context. So for you know, it, you can quite easily say like this situation, for example, where you know you got a bunch of developers developing the system and a bunch of users using the system, and there is a very tight feedback loop between them, right? And that doesn't you know there you can get away with a much smaller core of roles that you need to perform, whether that's the same person or multiple people. And I think we'll get back to that, what Sandra, you were saying, but it could be a much smaller core of roles that need to happen because you got the user next to you uh, or uh, all the users are in your direct contact. And the, uh, there is no other context around you. There's not, not a, a business stakeholders around you and those kind of things. I'm, the reason I'm saying that is actually I'm reading this book the cathedral and the bazaar at the moment and this is um and it talks about the the o cathedral open source is open, oh, oh, yeah. open source exactly and why why for example something so complex as linux as a project became such a big su success and arguably only built by developers right and all the other kind of really uh, difficult and complicated open source projects and why are they such a success where People like Microsoft couldn't ha handle the complexity that Linux has and the reliability it has and all that kind of stuff. But in there, they that context is a bunch of developers. They're self-selected. And, you know, all these things around, you know, someone resigns and some of this, you know, that is because they are self-selected and they come and go and, uh, you know, those things don't need to happen, right? And because they have this direct contact with the users and they, ha they have the product vision, uh, as a collective of the core contributors and so on, it works. But the kind of organizations that we work in, you don't have this context. So the more of the stakeholders, the more machinery, the more the business that sits around you, then all these different roles or different jobs to be done become relevant, right? And when there are lots of jobs to be done, and you know, it's just a, a big list of these jobs to be done, a developer focusing on, on, on the features will miss a lot of them out. And so what we do is we kind of put them in buckets and we make people responsible. And the more their jobs to be done there are, 
the more buckets that you're going to need and you, the more people you're going to need to be responsible for them. Otherwise, you're going to miss all those things out and they need to be done. Now, I right. think that there is another, like, sorry, because you mentioned Linux and the open source world. There is a, another major difference in here as well, because like people contributing to open source quite often, they are the users of that open source as well. They are volunteering to build a feature to say like, look, I don't care about the entire project, but there is this specific thing here that I care a lot about that is not well done or could be improved. So I will do that because either gives me pleasure or I need to use that or whatever. So they have that intrinsic motivation. There is a, there is a user contributor thing and even the core contributors are users, you know? Yeah, yeah right. and, and, and in a normal project, you, you are there uh, being paid to do a job, which means that someone expects a return on that investment. So, so you need to make sure that you are running a business, even sometimes like a business that you might not be so passionate about or working on areas that are needed for the business, but it's not like something that you would do uh, if you, for example, on your Sunday morning when you woke up, Serene, like uh, you're paying to do a job. It's a very different thing as well. It's a business that you might not fully understand. Mm, yeah, 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 definitely. I think there is a there is an aspect as well of because before you were saying, <clears throat> you know, there are jobs to be done, and then. Uh, out of that come the boxes and you know you you the narrow focus no and so on and <clears throat> i think there's an aspect to economies of scale as well in there where in order to scale and to find people that are you know at the speed maybe that that you want uh, you you tend to narrow that focus and get people uh, they can do the job and this is a very tailorist you know uh, approach to assembly line that kind of stuff you you break the thing apart into individual pieces and then you try to find you know the, the guy that pulls the lever the, the one that pushes the button the one you know, and and try to assemble everything just for the sake of uh scale no uh well finding someone that is able to go through the whole thing, right? To have that vision, to go from vision all the way to <laughs> to the delivery, uh, requires a set of skills and a set of knowledge, no, or, or or a body of knowledge that would be harder to get in the market, or you know, more expensive, or maybe you it's, you won't it's get enough. It's rare. It's rare. It's mm -hmm. not just about harder to get that that thing. There's very few people that that can pull that off and you know you, you don't get like i know linus has had these issues recently but you know these people are are they are the absolute exception they're not the rule and when we are running so many projects and so many things uh and so you you can't rely on having these stars that's that sit within each project you know you the mere mortals have to build all this software and you know, and mere mortals can't do everything, right? And the, there is—it's not just about scale as well. I think it's also about complexity, right? Because when you have so many jobs to be done, like you can say, all the here are all these jobs to be done, and the team—you must do all these jobs. Like, if everyone is trying to then see that all those jobs are being done or overseeing them, that's just going to create like an, um, it's an unmanageable situation. And that's why you kind of group them into, uh, 
kind of similar jobs and you make someone responsible so that they are there's an area that they can be looking after from from the jobs to be done perspective there is an expectation as well that every aspect of the job is done well so for example uh, a good part of the job to be done in a software project is figure out what needs to be done and what is the value of what needs to be done and this can take multiple shapes from speaking speaking to different stakeholders and aligning them and refining those high-level expectations, all the way to sometimes speaking to users and figuring out like what would be the best user journey for them, the best usability uh, for that product, or trying different approaches, pushing some stuff out. So there is a lot of uh, skills uh, in, in doing those A-B testing with users. Not, I'm not talking about technical ones. Uh, so not every developer wants to do those jobs, or even if they want to do those jobs, that doesn't mean that they're good at it. Because that's a specialization on its own. And, and, and sometimes I feel that some people are, are quite um, arrogant in thinking that they can do every aspect of the job very well. When, first of all, it's not true. They don't have the skills. They, they might be very good at certain areas, but average at best on others. And the project will need professionals in all the areas. And sometimes they're just not interested to do. They say, look, yeah, you know what? We tend to, uh, how can I say, uh, reduce the importance of certain tasks that we don't want to do. And we tend to put a, a much bigger emphasis on the tasks that we are good at or we really want to do. And this distorts the, the, the view of the, the whole and what kind of roles are needed, right, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, let's kind of move on. And I think there's a very apt question from uh, Alistair Smith to move on to this other aspect of it, which is around the 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 kind of this context switching aspect as well. Like not only, as you said, you know, we we not only it's about, you know, we will do the things that we are good at and leave the other things behind, regardless of how important they are. But the other thing is that if we are developing the software and then at the same time managing the reports to stakeholders and talking to the users and getting the feedback and running it into production and all those kind of things, this requires a lot of context switching. I think this is a very good question. Like, is that a policy that, you know, it's it's all to do with developing software and and, and actually, we should be having these context switches so we can have different perspectives onto what we're building, or or actually that can slow you down to almost a halt. Because I, I think I think the uh, where I disagree or where I would disagree with this is um, you may not be performing the role, but having the visibility of how everything fits together is necessary in order to do the the job properly because i think this is one of the reasons why this fragmentation of roles creates this function right you get this silo mentality where people are only looking at their task and they're not looking at the whole and therefore the whole suffers uh, from that you may optimize at a, a at a specific level but then the the overall uh, is is not as good as it could be and i think this is one of the things that i i like a lot about uh software craftsmanship you know the 
you know the the uh, Pete uh, Mabry Mabry or Peter Mabry book, no, yeah. Peter Mabry, yeah. Peter um, exactly. Yeah. So the, the new period, that's one of the things that he that he mentions now is like, hey, listen, yeah, the the metaphor of the engineer is one thing and it creates these issues. We need something else that has that holistic view of how the whole process works, how everything fits together. And you are as a contributor, you are also attached to the work, so to speak, like an artisan, you know? And and I feel like that's something that uh, is lost. And whether you have a specialty and you you decide that you know I'm only going to write code or I'm only going to be really good at product uh, imagining or whatever, right? Um, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, we you still have a visibility of how everything works, and you you understand how your work fits with all with all of the other stuff that needs to get done. Right, think, and this I, is the part that and you're able I, also at certain points to put on different hats, right? Like it doesn't mean that you're always going to be putting every single hat. No, that's what I meant. And uh, before when we were talking, I, I it came to mind. You know, I, I follow a lot of indie game developers and that kind of stuff. And there's these are usually people who work, you know, for years on their own, or maybe one or two people, yeah, on monumental. <laughs> you know tasks because this is you know they do design they do the graphics they do you know the sound effect they do like the programming the ai the, they they have to go through lots of different fields in order to get something that is really good and they may not be really good at it no they they may not be specialists but the end result is really good right like they they because they have that whole visibility but no, well, no. I, I think there is a balance there, isn't it, between awareness and having to do everything, right? You you may want to do so, like you will have overlaps and you may even plug in the gap when there is a, a gap or, you know, there is more work and you may want to balance that out because you, you can do it not as good as the expert, but you can do it. But awareness is the most important thing that you you need to have a very close awareness that all this is this happened. Sorry, Sandra, you were gonna. No, I was just saying. Uh, so there are quite a few interesting comments uh, on on the on the chat, and, and so for instance, there is there is something about like a few people mentioned about speaking to uh, users and stuff, or speaking to other people, and and even like uh, I think it was German uh, that mentioned that he refused the uh, tech leadership uh, so that he could focus more on coding uh, instead of uh, talking to other people and stuff. Because like, there is no doubt, some roles, uh, you can focus in one thing. And, and, and by the way, I just want to make sure that there is nothing wrong in people's preferences, right? So some people want to specialize, they want to do one job very well, they say, look, uh, yeah, I care about the whole, but I really want to focus, I want you to get the information that I need so that I can focus on my task. And there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, that you ch it's your personal choice, and this might create some uh, either some advantages or disadvantages in your career progression, depending on what you want, right? So, and and also might impact the value that you provide uh, for the, the, the person paying you. Yeah, but, you but yeah, it's it, that kind of specialization. Then you kind of fit in a very tailoristic thing. You know, you have to be part of a larger machine. And you are going to be very good at that, but only that and not the holistic. Right? Yeah, and exactly. And if the companies, they need that that 
high degree of specialization and that is very valuable to the company, that's okay, but that's a personal choice. So what I'm just trying to say here, I don't want anyone listening to this feel that there is a right or wrong in your personal choices. We are talking more about general ways. So, uh, but I, I've seen this case about uh, developers uh, rejecting leadership positions many times, including inside Kojuris, where people said, look, I don't want to be a tech lead or I don't want you to take this engagement manager role or whatever, because I want to focus on code. And there is nothing wrong with that. However, your value is now in that segment. While that segment is valuable, you have, but, but it's more limited. Like, so you are, certain roles, you need to speak to people and certain roles, they enable uh, other people to work. So you are almost like a multiplier, right? So your work allows multiple people to work well, instead of just focusing on a, a single individual uh, work. But there are merits to both. So regardless of personal preferences, certain roles needs to be done, right? So, uh, and, and I think that the one that manages users and users, you don't have just end users. This is another comment in there, I think from Javier Chacana. Yes, we need to speak to users, but there are multiple types of users and they bring many different challenges. So there is the end users themselves who say, hey, what would you like to have as a feature in our product? Anyone can ask that question, but there is an art for uh, product people or user experience people to really understand what they really need. And, and different users will answer different things. They might want completely different things like all of us. We might want to do things in a completely different way. We look at the screen uh, and uh, like if you, if you put like a, a, a bunch of wireframes to achieve a job, different ways to achieve the same job, different people will pick different options. So someone needs to resolve that or figure out like what are the different needs and stuff. This is a skill and it's on. It's not just I want to speak to the users, but you need to have certain skills to make sense of those answers, know what to ask, and then feed that to the development uh, process. Also, different uh, approaches might have different costs. Hey, if we take this approach in here to implement that, we might need this amount of people, this cost, and so on and so forth. If we do a different approach, it might be a different cost, a different number of people, a different uh, release date, and so on. Someone needs to have that conversation. Someone needs to talk to all those people, make those decisions. Those are all work that needs to be done. Right? So there is a, a question also from, uh, I forgot now, from Marabesi or someone else saying, where does the consultant comes in? Is that a role for the consultant? It depends on how you talk about purely, I am the consultant that you come in to consult or the consultancy skills. And that for me, everyone should have. In a project, you need to consult, you need to speak to people and understand what they need, how you can uh, coordinate that work. Hey, if you need that or you need that and I need to do that and you, this is your skill, this is my skill. So that ability to make a group of people work together and make sure that it's value to everyone is for me part of consulting skills. So there is, I don't, I will stop speaking. No, 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 no. I, I was going to say that, you know, answered like a true consultant. It depends, no? 
<laughs> are you but, talking about the consultant's skill or are you talking about the role of the consultant? No? <laughs> I, I, you know, by the way, I'd like to just go back a little around what you said, Sandro, around exercising a personal choice to only do a narrow thing. It depends on what we mean by that. Because if that leads to an attitude that certain things need to get done, that you might be able to do okay, right? They, like if, for example, I'm a developer, I'm a backend engineer, I specialize in backend development, and suddenly there's not a lot to do with backend development in the, in the team. There's a lot of front-end work, and this is, I've seen it. I'm a backend engineer, I don't do front-end. I think there is something very wrong with that. No, so I would say, I was just trying to be diplomatic, but I'm, now I'm going to be more explicit. <laughs> Everybody, now you're gonna make friends. <laughs> no, 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 no. So no, no, this is this is for me like not only in, for me this is in general. This is how I think. I think that individuals should do whatever they feel that is right for them. They can control what is what how they behave. What they cannot control is how people are gonna react to that. So they everyone is entitled to say this is how I want to live my career. This is what I want to do moving forward. That doesn't mean that the people paying for that work will find it valuable or find that it's a good attitude or find that it's suitable moving forward in that company. It was before, now it's not anymore. So individuals should do whatever they want, but other people that are paying for that service, they will react according to the value that they perceive uh, on those actions. That's, that's what I I see. But there are like giving advice to people as well. I mean, in, in this scenario, I think that there are there there are certain behaviors that that are frankly they're not professional, right? The way that you know, and and uh, Jose talked about the you know the kind of the craftsmanship mindset as well, right? We we are there to build software and build it well. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be done under it. A lot of it is coding, but there's a lot of other stuff around it, right? And if, and of course, we may not have those skills to do it, but taking the attitude that that is not my job, I think is it very much flies against the whole kind of team ownership aspect of it, right? So I personally think that even if you can't do it, you should make an attempt if something, if for example, you're a backend developer, you've never even seen JavaScript or HTML or whatever, but that's what needs to be done. You go and sit with them and 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 learn to do it because that is what being in a team means. That is what being a professional means. You do what needs to be done in order to achieve the the goals for the team, right? And with that also comes the you know they talk about this generalizing specialists. I think. The, the whole idea of I am just a specialist and I don't want to generalize in anything is also the wrong attitude. You should uh, be looking at all I, these things to generalize. No, I agree. As I said, like I was just trying, like for example, there are yeah. what people want to do. That is how what they do is perceived. They should have the freedom to do. Mm -hmm. Then someone decides if they see value on that or not. So they cannot control that. Uh, each one controls its own side. But then there is the craftsmanship spirit. And that is a different story. That's how we base our lives. And... Okay. Mama Sofia just wrote extreme ownership. That, that's my thing. Yeah, so uh, exactly. So so I feel like this is this is an interesting thing that I, I it always puzzles me when people reject um, 
opportunities to lead or to participate in certain tasks. Because like, I, I normally when like, I led my career in a way that I wanted to have autonomy. I wanted to have more control of my actions. But saying that something is not my job or not volunteering to get involved in certain key aspects of a project would go against having autonomy, would go against uh, me being controlling decision-making. So being part of the decision, because as soon as I reject work, when I isolate myself, all those other things that we are talking about, they still need to be done. Someone still needs to make a decision. And most of those decisions will impact me anyway. So I normally would say, beyond me giving more value to whoever is paying for my service, I would be contributing to shape the, the, my own future, my own uh, work. Right, so I would be providing more value and have more autonomy. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, you know, going. I think it was uh, Helder de Oliveira is is somewhere in the chat, and he before he was using the metaphor of the football team, and I think this is a lack of understanding of what your job is, and uh, the the best way that I've seen this described is if you ask I don't know the goalie what his job is. Yeah. Most people will tell you, well, make sure that the ball doesn't go into this thing, right? Like prevent the other team from getting the ball in, right? And, and so from sorry, from scoring, yeah? If you ask, you know, a frontliner, no, uh, what your job is like, well, probably my, my job is to make sure that I score on the on the other team. But, uh, and then you can maximize that, so to speak, no? Like the more goals i i put in or the the more goals i prevent no i'm i'm doing my job better right but you can win the game yeah uh scoring one goal yeah but you can lose the game scoring in the 10 goals right yeah. uh because the the purpose is not so much what you do is how it affects the the whole the the, the your job is to win the game and everyone is playing a different uh, position, right? So, so that's the idea. That's a, I, I think that's again going back to the systemic point of view and understanding how everything works. I think that that is part of what is lacking there. Is how you see your job. It's not just your job or, or what you do. It's what you do and how it affects everything else. You no, know, the 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 yeah. end outcome that you're trying to to achieve, yeah. and that's quite I think powerful when you when you understand that that's your job and not just the code that you're writing then it, it, it opens up a lot of opportunities in that sense no? sorry let, let's move the conversation on because i think we've discussed a lot this area but there's a few questions there's a recent question as well um around you know what are the six core roles and what how you define them because i think there, there's quite a lot of value in us going going there it's like what are the like okay let, let's say that roles are necessary right and uh, you know, especially in the kind of situations we find ourselves in. What, what are the core roles that we must always have? You know, without without them, we don't really have a team. And what are the others that actually are more applicable in a context? Yeah. You know that I, I, I have seen like uh, some people that are reasonably famous in the, the industry saying something so ridiculous that I, I could not even 
I didn't even bother to reply. But but the guy was saying, uh, you know, like no uh, th those hashtags, no projects, no SQL, no these, no that, and blah blah. There was one that was no developers. And, and, and I, I understand where they were coming from, but it was so absurd. Because for me, like when you talk about core roles, you cannot have a software project without developers, period. Right? But now what gets interesting is how much we stretch the developer. And I think we discussed that in a previous episode quite a while back. We talked about neighboring disciplines and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, normally the developer is the one that is expected to stretch out and do far more roles than others. We don't ask product people to write code. We don't ask BAs to write code. We don't ask uh, uh, other people to write code, but we expect the developer to do a bit of all of those things, right? So the developers should certainly be there. And the more versatile the developers are, the fewer roles you might need. But the more narrow focus the developer is, the more roles you need. Well, roles is might not be the, the roles are always there, but but the, how many people you have is a different story. I think that you need the developers. I think that regardless of the project, technical or not, like being business features or a modernization pro project, you need the role what, in Agile we call them a product owner. It might not be fit the word product might not be suitable for all sorts of projects, but you need someone that owns the product, the direction, the vision, what needs to be done in which order, how the work is going to, that role needs to exist. I don't feel that a group of people, a group of developers alone can make those decisions. And I normally, if the, the environment of stakeholders is too complex, or there is a lot to do in terms of analysis or user experience and stuff, the developers will come short. So the role of someone that really provides that direction, I think that is a core role in my view. The role of quality assurance is a core role for me. Again, if you're gonna have a specific person playing the QA or the tester, or if that will be shared by the team, that's a slightly different discussion, but quality assurance is certainly a core role for me. So those three, the developers, the product, and the quality assurance are for me core roles. Everything else, it might vary according to, if you describe, a, if you describe the context, I might add or change a few roles, but those three for me, I think that would make the core roles. You know, you know, like speaking of the, the developer and product owner, there's a very interesting comment by Mamou Sufyan around my idea uh, is driven by hypothesis that features to develop should, should, should go from top to bottom or should it be bi-directional? This is a very interesting thing. And you can talk about the role of the product owner or product manager in some cases around around this as well, right? Is that the, I, I guess what Mama Sufyan is trying to say is that the the vision for the for what we are building should come as much from the developers kind of bottom up as it comes from 
the users and the product owner top down. Right? There is a difference here. One is a call up. I think that that we need to distinguish. I understand the sentiment behind the question, but there is. I think we also discussed that in a previous episode. That is the autonomy uh, to make decisions. The spheres of autonomy. So, in my view, anyone in a software project should be able to suggest uh, what needs to be done. Because people will look at the different the system in different ways. So yes, so part of the question I would agree hundred percent. Developers should be saying to to the product, to the business, and say, hey, we need to work on those things. Otherwise, the system is going to fall apart. Those are things we need to do to support something else. But so the the suggestions for the work to be done, anyone should be free to provide that. But there will be. Uh, one person or maybe a small group of people that will actually make the decision and say, okay, now that I understand everything and the value, that is still like just a few people. Not everyone can say, one thing is to suggest, another thing is to say, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to define the priorities. And those are two separate conversations for me. I Yeah, I, I think the bottom-up approach also is applicable when when you have a very tight feedback cycles and value is very clear and you're kind of taking the next step forward to understand what value that brings and you know there's that kind of experimental approach to it as well and in those cases it's very very true that you know like core contributors like even in open source world they are the the product owners and they have the product vision and they're also building the software you know and they are obviously listening to other people but that creates a very nice dynamic but it's not always possible uh, or people don't have that wider context in a lot of cases because they're often too far away from the user or the organization itself is so complex that they can't have that you can't and the, again it's it's all this accidental complexity that is uh, within the organization i'm kind of trying to move things on a bit because i think there's a lot of things to discuss there's another interesting question to, to talk about, which is, you know, uh, from Emmanuel, uh, it says, I would say UX, UI should be core as well. Um, I think that's an interesting question to ask, like core, but in what context? You know, like suddenly yeah. things start becoming contextual, right? Because yeah, you, it's, it's, a, it's a breakdown of, you could see it as a breakdown of the product kind of side of things, you know, mm -hmm. uh, where it's focusing on, you know the the visual representation or the interactions or the you know the way that the product itself you know manifests and people interact with it um but product for me includes a lot of other stuff that is not just the, the visual aspect or the interaction aspect right like there's business behind it there's a there's a lot of you know other things in there as well right mm -hmm. so yeah so yeah it's it depends no yeah, we have like uh, projects in software modernization, and we've been working with this client for three years now. Uh, all the work was hardcore backend improvements and stuff. There was not a single thing that we've done that was client facing or that involved any product or user experience uh, or even user interface. Although we made a few changes on the user interface, but it was more on the architectural side than actually things. So. Yes, UX, UI would be core in a specific kind of project. 
where you are developing products for the end users, iterating over a lot of uh, features and trying out different approach for the product. In that context, yes, but not in others. And let, let's go back to one, Cassandra, you mentioned QA, quality assurance as a uh, core function. But I think you'll get as many answers in terms of what that role means as you, as you would ask people. How would you define the role of a QA? Uh -huh. So, so this, this is probably like we should dedicate a full episode on quality assurance uh, for people listening to us. Like we had a lot of internal discussions about QA. And we were even, because like we wanted to say, like we want to hire QAs, but like then we had to define what does QA even mean? And, and a lot of people conflate the idea of quality assurance with tests or some uh, someone named QA as a tester. And at least in our definition, when we discuss this internally, quality assurance is the entire thing. You, you are looking at the, the overall quality of the project, of the whole process, from inception ideas all the way to software in production. It's not only about testing uh, some piece of code that a developer wrote. This or, is or automating, uh, which is another thing. Yeah, they yeah. even started calling it test automation engineer just to kind of, you know, distinguish yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, so, so for us, like that is the tester or the test automator. But there is quality assurance. And for me, quality assurance is the quality of the whole process. All the way to the features being used and stuff like that. So for me, th this kind of professional is, is almost impossible to find someone that has this, in, this overall view of quality, right? Because there are so many aspects to it. There is the process, the business, the development, and so on and so forth. So what led us to think that the overall quality assurance needs to be shared across everyone. And then you might have some people that are specialized. When it comes to quality, quality of code and design, that needs to be done by the developers. Mm -hmm. When it comes uh, to, to the, the, the test automation or, or verifying, checking if the, the, the system, there's no bugs, there's no regression and stuff. Yes, there are specialized testers that can do a good job, both manually uh, or exploratory, as, as we prefer to call it, or through automation, which normally automation I prefer to be done by the proper developers, but anyway. Uh, but then there is the quality of the process itself, right? The quality of the features that are being released, the quality perceived by the end user. So this is a different type of quality. So, but that's why I said quality assurance is for me a core discipline that quite often is shared across everyone in the project. Yeah. Everyone should be looking after quality. It's, yeah, it's generally, and, and if you do have a quality assurance person, what they're doing is they're like the force kind of multiplier. They, they, they're making sure that the whole team is adopting it's the working right as a unit. It's working as a unit when it comes to... Yeah, to, so, they, to, yeah. so they themselves are not showing quality, but rather putting the culture, the practices, and all those things in place so that the whole team is looking after the quality um, from, from end to end, right? Um, yeah. The other thing, the other question that's been asked quite a bit is around the product owner and product managers. And, and we also have to get to delivery manager because that's also quite a common role that we see. But let's talk about the product owners and product managers. First of all, what's the difference? 
<laughs> Jose, you go for this one. I knew you'd moved on that on to Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it really depends on the on the organization because I have seen product owners that are no 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 it, it depends on the organization because I I've seen product owners uh, behave like product managers so they they look after the product where the product is going vision etc cetera, etc cetera, right. Um, whether as the the product owner owner as a label is something that comes from Scrum, right? Which has a specific, you know, backlog management, blah blah blah. There there's a set of responsibilities that are, you know, that that go with the role. And this is the part where I again depends on the organization because people attach a meaning to the to the label, right? So if you ask me, like in order to separate them for me, product owner. will be someone who's, let's say, performs their responsibilities within the Scrum framework right? around product backlog being a central point for you know, decision-making and prioritization for, the, for basically what, what comes up next no? uh, or what's going to be built next and so on. And a, a, a product manager would work a bit of a... higher level uh, wouldn't get that much involved with the day-to-day uh, -day of, of that backlog in particular, right? Like it would be more on the product side, strategy side for the product uh, and less on the day-to-day -day what feature needs to be built, right? So that's, that's how I see those two. But again, that's my perception. Again, I've seen product owners or chief product owners. No, this is another... title that no, uh, that comes up uh, take on that responsibility or be the, the product owner of the product owners right <laughs> that kind of stuff um, so I've, yeah for I've, me it's, I've seen, it's, it's a bit different I've, I've seen product manager I think product manager is the really vague one uh, mm -hmm. I've seen product managers tactical and product managers who are considered strategic kind of from a strategic point of view above the product owners even right like kind of product owners or product I've seen them both and and I don't know at what point we started coming up with product managers kind of that title right uh, to some aspect it was Yeah, like the first time I uh, joined a very big team and they'd just gone through an agile transformation and the, the product owner introduced himself. He said, well, I used to be the manager, i.e. the boss of this team. And now they call me the product owner, but they know who's the boss. I am still the manager. <laughs> and and part of me thinks like, you know, of course we've tried to, maybe we've tried to kind of uh, melt or combine rather the, the delivery manager aspect and the product owner aspect to, to then a product manager, someone who is not only uh, has the vision for the product and does all this, you know, scrum related kind of activities that are associated with the product owner, but is also... the delivery manager, right? All around delivery and stakeholder management and all, you know, kind of deadlines and program and project and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, like every time you see a project manager, product manager role, you, you it's specific to the team. You have to ask, ask the person and the team on what that means and have it very well clarified because I don't think there is one definition for a product manager. Yeah.
So, so the, there are two questions related or comments and questions. For one, for Emmanuel, uh, saying should the PO or PM have technical knowledge, uh, as we should have it of the business. So basically, the developers need to understand the business, but should they understand tech? Uh, and also, Mohammed uh, also mentioned uh, what was it? Uh, that's a, a broader question. What should be the profile of a product owner, engineering manager, and so on and so forth? So. Um, it depends. Uh, so mm. the, the, I think that, <laughs> and, and I'm being accused in the chat that to be you know, that that's my default answer. I think yeah. it's, so, it's it's a default so, answer for any consultant. Yeah, <laughs> just, say, just say I don't know, but you, you exactly. know, yeah, well, no, never I don't know. A consultant never says I don't know. It's always it depends. <laughs> but the but the the, the thing is. When you have like, uh, the reason I'm saying that, because there are some pros we have, for example, in, in term, like at Cogenus, we have uh, product development as one type of project. And we have like, for example, software modernization. And those two projects are, although there are, most of course have some overlap, but if I take them to extreme, they are significantly different. So a product owner, or a, uh, or a project manager in a product development project that is very product oriented, I have a preference that this person has a good vision of the product, can really explain what the business behind, and they understand enough technology so that when we explain to them, look, those are the issues that you need to tackle. They have enough knowledge to understand that. I, I think yes, answering one of those questions, I should be, they should have a, a, a small overlap. We need to understand the business, but they, if they are in a software project, they are building a software product. My personal view, if I had to choose one product owner or project manager or whatever you call them, they would need to understand the business as the core discipline, but they need to understand at least a little bit of the tech because otherwise they cannot speak the same language. They cannot, it will be a struggle for us to, 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 to talk about the technical difficulties in building that. Uh, I don't know. Unless, no, sorry. Uh, I'm saying like, what would be my ideal? Hmm. What would be my ideal? But if they don't have the, the, the technical, back, uh, back, uh, technical knowledge, and I work for people with both, people that were highly technical and people that had no technology background at all. I normally struggled with the one with no technology background. The only time that I didn't struggle is when they relied on us. They were, hey, I don't understand tech. I need this to be done and I need to rely on you to tell me what is possible, what is not possible. But then it needs to be clear where the, the, the knowledge ends and then you need to trust. So if I say that I don't understand product, I need to trust the product owner. And the same thing, if they say, I don't understand tech, they need to trust me because otherwise we cannot have a healthy relationship. However, if you are talking about a software modernization project, the product owner in there or the person playing that role, defining the priorities and stuff needs to be a technical person because it's a technical project. Otherwise it will be very difficult for that person to be, to do their job. Yeah, I think software modernization is a very, uh... A specific case where you do well where the product 
actually it's vision it's not really a product it's more a project in that case uh, but right? there are there are uh, products mesh there are technical products and there are normal end users clients like for example people buying stuff online where their customer is someone like my mom but there are but, products there are technical yeah. products even technical products is, is you know, there's someone mentioned the idea of a domain expert. In both cases, a product owner is a kind of a domain expert and, and at the very least understands the needs of their the user, whether that's a technical user or a, you know, a, a general public user, right? So there is, there is a domain expertise element in the product owner. And if, of course, if that domain is highly technical and it's all about the technical, then they need to be technical. They need to have that domain expertise. But there are certain kind of skills and behaviors and activities of a product owner that I think are quite... Um, and and in any case, they need to be great communicators. And this is the part where I, you know, kind of disagree like, oh, I, I struggle because we didn't... Yeah, they, they need to be great communicators. And if they're leading a team, they need to be great leaders as well and part yeah. of that is understanding you know i don't know i don't have all the answers i need to trust the team and and try to to find that uh balance right um where yeah. you know the the other thing that you were mentioning seemed like you know someone who didn't have any clue was trying to tell you exactly what to do you know or or, or micromanage or, or so on and uh, and yeah it's it's i agree with that definition no like it's it's a domain expert and as part of that, you know, the domain in which the product is is working is very technical. They need to know technology yeah, quite but, well. But but I'll tell I'll tell you what. Like uh, uh, I think I'll be a bit more assertive uh, in here because I've been thinking. Here is like what would be our ideal profile. It's not like what would potentially work. So for me, if I had to choose. If someone is a product owner on a software product, in my view, they need to understand how software is made because the chances of that relationship being healthy when they don't understand how software is made is extremely small. It will really rely on certain very exceptional individuals that can make that work, but on average, that relationship will not okay, be Okay, but understanding how software is made is one thing, and being a technical uh, no, person is, is a different thing, right? Like, but, I would but, understand but, for them to... No? But, but see, for example, if I want to, to, to build cars, like the, my product's a car, I need to understand how a car works. I cannot just say I'm going to be a product owner for a car if I don't have a clue how how the mechanics and, work. Yeah, I, I think it's I think what Jose is trying to say is that like I need to understand how a car works, but it's more a general understanding. So sure. for example, exactly. I know that it has, it has an engine, you know, combustion, etc. Mechanics come in. If the mechanics come in and say, hey, we need this kind of thing or this machine or whatever, they need to understand that vocabulary. They need to understand what the common problems are they, because like. Yes, they don't need to write code. They don't need to understand AWS or Bash scripts or God knows what. But they need to understand the work that is done by other people. The same way that developers need to understand the business, the same way that developers are pushed to understand the neighboring disciplines, the, the, the software development is a, is a neighboring discipline for a product owner because it's essential. Otherwise, you need to have a good aware. 
they need to have a good awareness of it. Like they can't just like when they even when or at least have a curiosity towards it because they can't just say, oh, as soon as you start talking about software or this module or that, I'm not interested. That they can't, and I, I think you know you you're both talking about the same thing really. That you know the communications is is an important thing, and in order to create good level of communication, when people are speaking from kind of different perspectives, they need to come at a meeting point, which where basically means that their their knowledge blurs into each other's in each other's domains, right? So so of course that's needed, but yeah, I, I think. I think it's understood on both sides that a, you know, a product owner does not need to be a programmer, or does not even have to come from a programming discipline, no. uh, even yeah. for technical uh, projects. Because as long as they understand the needs and uh, they understand that domain, and then they apply their own skills. In fact, um, Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel asked me directly that question. But developers are also domain experts. And that's also our part two. And yes, of course, it's, it's that, that that's what I'm talking it, Even in product owners, the actual skill of being a product owner is a specific kind of skills. They have domain expertise like others, others will have. They will have a different perspective on the domain. A developer has another perspective on the domain, and they're not necessarily the same perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there is an aspect of, of roles that I think we haven't discussed, which is the minute that you set the label on someone and you assign it to, to a person, that already creates a bit of an issue. I mean, it doesn't ha always have to do that, but the QA is a, is a great example of that. No, like you're the QA, then people immediately think I don't need to test, right? Or I don't need to take care of, of making sure that this works the way it's supposed to work because it's not if it's not going to work... Then you know the QA will catch it, right? <laughs> and you kind of exactly you're you're gonna kind of delegate that responsibility or or move that responsibility to the person holding the the role, which is something that goes against what you're what you were trying to achieve, no? And I think it's the same in this case, you know, when we're talking about the product owner or the product or the the domain expert, no, um, or the BA or you no, know, it's it's is that a thing where the minute that you at the label, you're kind of pointing at someone that can become really quickly a silo, either because you're shifting the burden uh, towards that, no, or because the, the person is then removing agency from, from other people, because this is another thing that some people start seeing you as, no, you're the QA, no, uh, and you need to do this. But if you're a scrum master, no, and you're like, well, I take care of the board. I facilitate the meetings. I, you know, you, you start doing all of these things that take away from uh, from that over overlap, no, that you want to have and is is healthy to to have, and uh, it's a very humane kind of thing, no. It's a you, the, the labels, you know, you identify with the label. You when you assign a label, you're creating two groups: the ones who are and the ones who are not. No, uh, you're you're creating that boundary. The minute that you add the label, yeah, definitely. So, so there is something that uh, Frank Torres. Frank, I don't know exactly when you joined. Uh, we discussed your last point about QA being a, a, a shared responsibility uh, a little bit earlier. But you asked a different question before. You, you asked like, how many have you managed the option of teams owning the product? And, and someone else mentioned that earlier on as well. That uh, so I think that it, 
It depends, of course. Uh, but but I think that the, how you define team is is important here, because the answer will be different. If you are defining the team as just developers, my answer will be one. If you are defining the team as a group of people that can cover all the aspects that we discussed, understanding what the priorities, liaising with stakeholders, thinking about the business value, looking at overall quality. So if we are talking about a group of people that can do the full work, Yes, that's normally how it works. They own the, the, the product. But, but if you're just talking about developers owning the product, I haven't seen that work. Yeah. Uh, Alistair has asked this question as well. Does this not all return to the ideal team being one that is focused on the end goal above all else? All individuals share a common in intent to deliver the product. The labels are rel relatively irrelevant. And I think... Yes, uh, the way I would I would answer that yes, like as as Jose said as well, you know, you might be a goalkeeper, you might be a striker, you know, the your your actual goal is the goal of the team, which is to win the game, right? And that's but having said that, the, I I don't personally don't think the roles are irrelevant, although they 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 should play second fiddle to the goal itself, right? So. They are there to help you achieve the goal and to help you organize in a better way. Pro provide and, clarity. They're there to provide clarity because this is, this is the thing. The lack of roles is also something that works against you achieving the, uh, the, the goal, the goal that, you, that you want. And I think this is also part of what people learn. Like when you're starting a project, when you're starting a team, etc., having that conversation about how you're going to split those responsibilities or jobs that need to be done, you know? is is important as well right mm -hmm. because it sends a message to everyone else okay so these are the the things that you know we are expecting you to take care of and you know like how we're gonna reduce the amount of rework that we're doing or the duplication or the you know like all of these things that in the end they work against what you're trying to achieve as well yeah so, and, and yeah. I think that, yeah more we, thing that we about wrapping up a bit as well guys that I want to make is that there is a lot of, there is in some of those questions and comments there is an assumption here uh, that everyone in, like for example to have a self-organizing team that does everything plays like a football team as the, the metaphor was used a few times in there. There is an assumption in here that all those those people they have they share this uh, desire to satisfy the goal of the client and stuff, right? And they are all they all feel part of the team. They all have this purpose, uh, common purpose in mind. Reality is a little bit different from that. We are talking about individuals with completely different preferences, different career aspirations that some people will say, hey, I want to learn this. And if this project is not about this, I'm not happy. Or I want to do this kind of work. If it's to do that kind of work, I can do it. But if I do it for too long, I will be unhappy. So we are the, the premise that everyone is behind the goal and they will do equally whatever it takes to satisfy the goal is normally false. And because this is true, and then people end up saying, hey, I don't want to be in this project, or they change jobs, they find another job that is more aligned. Because we are dealing with people, 
with different aspirations, this is why sometimes it's important. For example, even when they are aligned, like they are have a common goal, they might have different way, different say, hey, we want to achieve the same goal, but we want to achieve that goal in different ways. We agree in the end result, but the way that we get there, we will fight to death. Because I think that my way is better than yours. And if you do yours, it will be a disaster and we are not gonna get to the end goal. So someone needs to resolve that as well. And, and some people don't do a good job in doing certain things. So, so this is the, the, the premise. That's why sometimes having more well-defined roles and even having some management across a team or across teams is important because we are not just saying, oh, they are all football players where they're best. They want to win the goal, the, the game, and that's the, the only thing that they have in their mind. This is not true. Good point. Any other comments from you, Jose? No, no. I think uh, we, we can start wrapping up. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So any final thoughts? No, I think that, that uh, the, the only thing that I want to leave probably is that there are roles and there are individual performing roles. Quite often, like uh, some, some very special individuals they can perform multiple roles and quite well across different roles. So regardless if you have one person dedicated to each role or not, that work needs to be done. And I think that the message that I leave is like, never, regardless, never reject responsibility. That's what I've done for my entire career. I don't reject an opportunity to be involved in something or shape something. I would always like to be part of the decision making instead of just waiting to some for someone to tell me what to do and then complain about that so so that's 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 food for thought cool. yeah i guess uh my thought would be more on you need to understand what those jobs to be done are like what is it that is needed in order for the project to be successful and i would say that independently of your role if you see that something is not happening and it's necessary, you should act on that. No, it's a bit like take the initiative and be proactive and, and find a way no, to, to make sure that that is being handled either by you or by someone else. No, um, If you really want the, the thing to be successful. But you need to understand how everything else works. It's stay curious no, about what, what others are bringing into the picture what and how that helps not only make your work better, but how you can make other people work better. No? And yeah, and have a healthy respect for all the other roles. Yeah, exactly, exactly. On, you, you, that engenders curiosity. And and the final thing, I think Alistair said it, said it as well, right? At the end of the day, we should be, we are solving, we are there to, to achieve a goal. And, you know, we work on your strengths to, to achieve it, but if your strengths is not what's needed at the moment, then work on the other thing as well. Cool. And, and, and right. I would like to thank everyone on the chat. Like you really make those conversations far more enjoyable. Like having your comments, your questions really uh, makes this a much better experience for us as well. So, yeah. Thank you all. Brilliant. Well, thank you everyone. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care.